0: Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you take them out, please? And go to the New Testament book of Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. As we are kicking off our Christmas sermon series, titled A Christmas Playlist the songs of Christmas and so as you're turning to Luke chapter 1 I do want to recognize Linda Stewart and her team for our decorations in our worship center can we give them a round of applause today Thank you so much. Luke chapter 1, verses 67 uh, through 79 is where we are uh, kicking off this series. And so I'm going to begin this morning by reading our scripture together. And so pick up with me in your copy of God's Word. Uh, you can share with somebody. If you don't have one, there are some Bibles in the chair backs in front of you. Uh, or you can use the Version Bible app. And uh, there is a place for you to click on live events. You can click on First Baptist Church Brunswick, and there you'll find our scripture uh, references this morning. But Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse number 67, and it reads, and his father, his being John the Baptist, and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied saying, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people, And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him. ...without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, child, you, child, John the Baptist, you will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you, John the Baptist, will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. I've titled today's message, and it's very clever, Zachariah's Song. That's what I've titled today's message. Now, I've got to be honest with you, after Last night's beatdown by Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. I thought about changing the title of the message to this one You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. Look at this picture. I mean, I thought about it. I mean, I really, really thought about it. I mean, think about this. Think about this. Nick Saban and the Grinch, they're very similar. Neither one of them are cheerful people, amen? <laughs> Nick Saban, he takes all of the great recruits from all the other teams, which is just like stealing presents from little boys and girls, amen? <laughs> so I thought about titling this message, or a mean one, Mr. Grinch, but I then got into the spirit and thought that would not be good to make fun of Nick Saban during church, but I just did. Thank you, Jesus. Well, today we kick off our series called Christmas Playlist, The Songs of Christmas. And let me tell you why we are in this series. And I want to give you three reasons why I'm doing this series and really why I'm especially excited about this sermon series. The first reason I'm excited about this and the first reason why we're doing this series in Christmas is because of this. This series, the Christmas playlist, which is, we're going to look at the four Christmas songs found in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. This is going to be part of a bigger sermon series. Coming in uh, the February of 2022, we are going to go through the entire book of Luke. And so, this is actually beginning a, a larger sermon series as we will begin looking at the Gospel according to Luke in the month of February. During the month of January, we're going to a uh, sermon series on some different other things regarding um, just a new year and such. But I'm excited because we're going to be in the book of Luke for some period of time. The second reason uh, why I am excited about preaching this series is because of this. If you've been with us over the past two Uh, Christmas seasons, you may remember that our past two Christmas sermon series have been quite interesting. Wouldn't you agree? Um, We have been in the book of Esther and in the book of Daniel in our last two Christmas sermon series. Now, those are not your traditional Christmas sermon series. Amen? Amen. It's not your traditional ones, but we were just in a series in the book of Esther two years ago and Daniel last year, and it was, just, it was just good to be in the house of the Lord studying those great Old Testament books, and we looked at how Esther and how Daniel, how they truly pointed to the coming of the Messiah. And so those were unique, and so I just believed that we needed to get back into the gospel accounts of the Christmas story. Uh, the Christmas story can be found in two gospels, Matthew and Luke. Matthew is a relatively short gospel, uh, uh, Christmas narrative, about 25 verses, and Matthew focuses on the visit of the wise men. But in Luke, Luke has the longest narrative on the birth of Christ. It takes two chapters, uh, Luke 1 and Luke 2. It's about 120 verses that tell us all the things that went on that led up to the birth of Christ and what took place immediately after the birth of Christ. And here's what I know many of you know Luke's account of the Christmas story. You know it because many of you grew up watching, or some of you have watched, a Charlie Brown Christmas. Amen? Charlie Brown Christmas. You may remember this part in the story. And that at the end of that movie, at the, men, at the end of Charlie Brown Christmas, Charlie Brown begins to say, This is everything I touch turns to disaster. You remember the Charlie Brown Christmas tree, right? He says, Everything I touch turns into disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Is there anybody who knows what Christmas is all about? And you, you may remember Linus. Just tapping him on the shoulder and says, Charlie, I know what Christmas is all about. And then one of my favorite scenes in all of that, um, in all of the Charlie Brown Christmas uh, uh, special, Linus walks to the center of the stage and he says these two words that I love. He says this, lights, please. Do you remember that? He says, lights, please. And he tells the story. He tells the story And he takes it directly from the pen of Luke, and he tells the Christmas story. And I'm excited just to be in the gospel at the Christmas season to tell the story that the world desperately needs to hear and that it desperately needs to receive. So I'm excited about that. And the third reason why I'm excited about this series and why we're doing this series at Christmas, a Christmas playlist, the Songs of Christmas, is whenever you think of Christmas, you think of music. Amen? How many of you have already begun listening to Christmas music? How many of you started before Thanksgiving? Holy cow, there you go. We've already begun listening um, to Christmas music. And over the next couple of weeks, here in the life of our church we're going to get an extra helping of christmas music next week friday uh, saturday the 11th and sunday the 12th the golden isle's christmas the following sunday december the 19th our children's choir will be with us in worship leading us out and helping us uh, uh, sing uh, songs of praise to our heavenly father and then we conclude our christmas season with the with the uh, our christmas eve candlelight and communion service where we will sing christmas carols and just rejoice in the fact that God has come in the form of a baby by the name of Jesus. And so, so Christmas and music, they just go together. Great classics like Grandma Got run Over by a Reindeer. <laughs> Isn't that a good one? Great classics, Christmas and music, but songs like Joy to the World or, or Little Drummer Boy or, or White Christmas, or one of my favorite Christmas albums is from Chris Tomlin. His Christmas album is one of my favorite, but but Christmas and music, they go together. And so when Luke sits down to write his gospel, he begins by recording four of the original Christmas songs. They're found in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, and In the early church, when the Bible was translated from Greek to Latin, these four songs were given a title according to their Latin name, and it has stuck with them. You have Mary's song found in Luke chapter 1, verses 48 through 55. It's called the Magnificat, and we're going to look at that next Sunday. Today, Zachariah's song called the Benedictus. Benedictus is is the first uh, first word in Luke chapter 1, verse 68, when, when Zachariah says, blessed, that's the word benedictus. So we're going to look at that this morning. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll look at the angel song, which the Latin title is Gloria in Excelsis. And then we're going to look at Simeon's song, found in Luke chapter 2, with the Latin title of Nunc Dumatis. And so over the next several weeks, we are going to look at the four songs of Christmas And we're gonna study them. We're gonna find out what they mean and how they apply to our lives today in the 21st century. And so as we look at Zechariah's song, I want to raise the question and I want to answer it this morning, it's this. Why did Zechariah praise God? Why did Zacharias, why did he praise God? And in our text that we've already read, I see four reasons that Zacharias gave to praise God and four reasons why you and I should give praise to God because here's what I know and here's what I believe. No matter the situation you're going through, no matter what's going on in your life, every believer has reasons to give praise to God. Amen? Amen. Every one of us, we have reasons to celebrate. We have reasons to worship. We have reasons to give praise to God. Well, in our text this morning, I want to share with you four of them, and they all come from the life of Zacharias. And if you're with me this morning, say amen. Amen. Number one, I want you to write this down. The first reason that Zacharias gave praise to God is because of this. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Zacharias gave praise to God because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at verse number 67. And his father, his father being John the Baptist, now remember, this is the story of John the Baptist being born. John the Baptist is the forerunner to Christ. Meaning this, that John the Baptist is the prophet before the Messiah comes. Now, one of the great... Um, debates today, I guess in the Muslim world, is this. They believe that Jesus is the great prophet. But our text tells us that John the Baptist is the great prophet, that John the Baptist is the forerunner before the Messiah comes. And so John the Baptist is born, and his father, Zacharias, is Filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the Greek word for filled is prim primi, and it literally means to burn within. It means to burn within and to to overflow, to, to, to flow over the top. And when Zacharias, listen, when Zacharias is filled with the Holy Spirit, he overflows, and he overflows with singing. He overflows with singing. And so what we can learn is this. A spirit-filled life is a life that sings. A spirit-filled life, when you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit, a spirit-filled life is a life that sings. Now, Paul agrees with that. Paul tells us that in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, Paul says this. He says this to to the church in Ephesus. He says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse number 19, Paul gives us what this looks like when we're filled with the Spirit. He says, you speak to one another in psalms. Another word for psalms is songs. And so Paul says, you are to speak to one another in psalms. You speak to one another in hymns. You use spiritual songs. You sing and you make melody with your heart to the Lord. Listen, when you are filled with the Spirit, you are going to overflow with singing. You sing out loud. That's a sign of you being filled with the Spirit. Paul writes in Colossians three sixteen. He says, "Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, with hymns, with spiritual songs, and singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God." And this is what Paul says, and we see this in the life of Zacharias, and that spirit filled people will be evident because they are the ones singing. It says, we can tell who is being filled with the Spirit. They are singing out loud. John MacArthur said this the first consequence of the Spirit filled life. Now, listen to this because this is great. The first consequence of the Spirit filled life is not mountain moving faith, it's not an ecstatic spiritual experience, it's not dynamic speaking ability or any such thing. The first consequence of the Spirit filled life is simply a heart that sings. Isn't that good? Maybe not. Maybe not. But a life that is filled with the Spirit, we see this in Zacharias, we see this, when you are filled with the Spirit, you rejoice. You sing. You sing joyfully. You sing with a heart that overflows. And and again, I, I, I want you to get this, a heart that is overflowing with the Spirit, it is going to come out through your mouth and you are going to sing. Now, praise God. Praise God that our church sings out loud. Amen? 17 of you said that. Our church sings. A sign of a church that is alive is a church that sings. Did you know that? A sign that a church is alive is a church that sings. Can you imagine if a non-believer would come into a church and nobody's singing? I mean, what would they think? I and mean, What's going on with these people? They have the greatest news. It's called the good news and nobody's singing. A non-believer may wonder, is this really life-changing news? Folks, listen, when we are filled with the Spirit and when, when we, we receive the Spirit upon, upon our salvation, Jesus Christ gives us the same Spirit that raised him from the dead. When we receive the Spirit, God gives us a heart, of stone, a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone, and he puts a new song into our heart. And so when we are filled with that Spirit, it is to come forth in us singing out loud. I came across this story um, I, I think some of you will get this one. If not, I'll, maybe I'll explain it. But came across the story as a little boy who was sitting in church and he was looking around and, and, he, and he fixed his eyes upon a flag in, in the corner. And the flag he, he, he had several gold stars on it. And he looked at his dad and said, "Dad, why, why does this flag have all of these stars on it?" And the dad's like, "Son, we're, we're in the middle of a service, son." And was like, "Dad, what does the stars mean?" And finally, his dad looked over and said, "Said, son." This is to remind us of all those who died in the service. The little boy thought for a moment, then he looked at his dad and said, well, dad, did they die in the morning worship service or the evening worship service? (laughs) May it never be said of us that people died in our service. Are you with me? Zacharias was filled with the Spirit he was filled with the Spirit, and he began to sing a song to the Lord. Here's the second great reason that we can praise God. Zacharias overflowed with thankfulness. He overflowed with thankfulness. Not only is he Spirit-filled, he's also overflowing with thankfulness. And we've talked about this in the in the, in the series in the book of Philippians, especially over the past couple of weeks with Thanksgiving, but... A thankful heart also overflows with singing. A thankful heart also overflows with singing. Look at verse number 68. When he says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. That word blessed it's the Greek word eulogio, which is where we get our English word eulogy. And it means to speak good words. It means, it means to speak words of praise. Speak good words. Now, why is, why is Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, why is he speaking words of praise? Why is he, why is he speaking good words? I think there's a couple of reasons why he is just overflowing with thankfulness. Number one, this isn't on the screen, but you might want to write this down. Number one, Zacharias is in the middle of personally experiencing a miracle. Right here in the text that we have read, Zacharias is in the middle of experiencing a miracle. You say, Pastor, how how do you know that? Well, look back at verse number 64. That's not on the screen, but look in your copy of God's Word. In verse number 64, chapter 1, it says this, and at once his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed and he began to speak in praise of God. So apparently... Prior to God opening his mouth, his mouth was closed. And that is true because if you look back in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25, you read the story of the angel Gabriel announcing to Zacharias that he and his wife Elizabeth are going to have a child. But but Zacharias, he can't believe it. And in verse number 18, Zacharias says to the angel Gabriel, he says, um, hey, Gabriel, um, how can I know that this is really going to happen? You just told me that my wife and I, we're going to have a child, but, but Gabriel, do you not know that, 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 that I'm old and, and my wife is too? He's like, Gabriel, you we can't have kids and so so zacharias looks at gabriel while he's in the temple and he says how can this be can you show me a sign and so he exhibited some doubt and gabriel said i'm going to give you a sign that what i just told you is going to come forth and here's the sign you will not speak until your son is born He gave him a sign. He gave him a sign and he closed his mouth. And for nine months, for nine months, Zacharias can't say a word. Some scholars will even say that he's he's deaf as well. So for nine months, Zacharias, a priest, a Jew, he is silenced because he he has failed to receive the good news. For nine months, he can't say a word. He's in silence. And then verse 64 tells us this, that when his son was born, they they being the relatives and friends of Zacharias and Elizabeth, they said, what are you going to name your son? Elizabeth said, we're going to name him John. John. And the family and relatives were like, no, 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 that's not, you need to name him after the father. You need to name him after Zacharias. Zacharias, what, what do you want to name your son? And he couldn't speak and he couldn't speak. And so he gets a tablet and he writes the name, his name shall be John. And as soon as soon as he wrote, his name shall be, shall be John, as soon as that happened, a miracle took place, and his mouth was open, and he began to praise God. So in the midst of this, of this praise of the song of rejoicing and thankfulness, John, excuse me, Zacharias is in the middle of a miracle. Listen, when you're in the middle of a miracle, what's it going to cause you to do? It's going to cause you to sing. It's going to cause you to rejoice. It's going to cause you to say, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He's overflowing with thankfulness. Praise be to God. Your your word has come true. You have opened my mouth and now I can speak. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give you praise. Now that's a good thing to do. Amen? Is to praise God. That's one of the reasons why he is overflowing with thankfulness. I believe the second reason why he's overflowing with thankfulness is because of this. He's coming to the realization and the understanding that God is going to come to the earth. His song, there's two parts to Zacharias' song. The first part talks about the coming Messiah, The second part talks about his son, John the Baptist, being born. But it all comes to a reality that Zacharias now knows that God is going to come to the earth. Look at verse number 68, the second part of it. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Look at this part. For he, God, has visited us. I want you to look at that phrase, visited us. It comes from the root word, which means this, to visit personally. It means to make a personal visit. It's the same phrase, it's the same Greek words that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 25, verse 36, when he said, I was sick and you visited me. You came to me. You physically came to see me. In, this, in the Greek uh, of this word, the Greek understanding of this word, it means this, you made a personal visit in order to bring a blessing. You make a personal visit because you've seen or heard about somebody's misery and you want to go see them and bring a blessing to them. Many of us do this when we hear of a loved one or a loved one passed away and we want to go to the family to go visit them. Listen, when somebody whom you love dearly and somebody in their family dies and you want to minister to them, listen, and you're, and you're, and you're close to them, you don't just send a card, do you? Are cards good? Absolutely. But you don't just do that. And you don't just text them, I'm sorry. What do you do? You go to them, and you bring a casserole. Amen? (laughs) You go visit them. You go personally visit them. You leave your home, and you go visit that family. And you go visit your loved one. And you want to impart some type of blessing to them. And you go visit them. One of my favorite Christmas songs is, I'm going to get real spiritual on you, okay? Santa Claus is coming to town. Michael Jackson and the Jackson Five. You want me to moonwalk? But my favorite version is actually from Bruce Springsteen, the live version of Santa Claus is coming to town. You better watch out. You better not. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. He's making a list and he's checking it. He's going to find out who's Santa Claus. See that song talks about the joy of Santa Claus coming to town. Zacharias talks about the King of Kings coming to town. And it brings him great joy. It brings him great joy, so much joy that he burst out in song. When he's filled with the Spirit, he begins to prophesy. He prophesies like like the men of old. David prophesied, Solomon prophesied, even King Saul prophesied, the prophets of old prophesied, and they began to to, to sing of this great thing about who God is and, and then he says, God you are, you are praised, I, I bless you I bless the Lord God of Israel, why? Because you have come to visit us, you have come, you God you are sending your son the Messiah and because of that I am going to sing, and I'm going to let everybody know. Zacharias has a great reason to praise God. Amen? He's filled with the Spirit. He's overflowing with thankfulness. Here's the third thing. The third reason why he's going to sing and celebrate is this. He finds great comfort in knowing God kept his promise. He finds great comfort knowing that God kept his word. Zacharias was a godly Jew. He was a priest. You look in verse 5 and 6 and 7 of chapter 1 of Luke, it gives you his background. He's of the priesthood. He, He knows the Old Testament. He studies the Old Testament. He knows all of the old prophecies that talk about the Messiah. And finally, he's coming to the realization that he is in the middle of God keeping his word and that God is going to work through him. Look at, look at verse number 70. Zacharias says this, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. What Zacharias is saying is this, the Messiah and redemption has been promised from the very beginning. You can go all the way back to the very beginning, the book of Genesis, we see that the Messiah and the redemption has already been foretold. As soon as Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, as soon as that took place, God God's plan of redemption, God's plan of sending his Messiah, it began to be put into action. Zacharias knew that and he knew that the Messiah was going to come. He knew that redemption was coming and here he is in the middle of it and he is overwhelmed with the fact that, you know what, God is keeping his promises. Look at verse number 72, to show mercy toward our fathers, to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father. And I just see Zacharias, he is overwhelmed. He is overwhelmed with the reality that God is keeping his word, which he has shared thousands of years before his existence, before Zachariah's existence. I can imagine that all of a sudden he sees the great prophets of old. He sees Micah talk about Bethlehem. He talks about Isaiah saying, unto you a child should be born. I imagine him looking at and thinking about Abraham when God gives him, uh, gives Abraham these words that out of you, you'll become a father of many nations. I can imagine him thinking about Moses and about him thinking about David and how they all look to the future coming Messiah. You see, the prophets of old, before Jesus Christ came, they looked to the future coming Messiah. Everybody on the other side of Jesus coming as a Messiah, we look back and see his coming and we look forward to his soon soon second coming. I can just imagine him being overwhelmed with joy that he's in the midst of God keeping his promises. And he comes to the reality that I think many of us need to come to. That God will never change. He keeps his word. He keeps his promise. And so whatever God has said in the past, it's true today and it's true for you. One of the last things that Jesus said before he, before he ascended into heaven, he said this, And lo, I am what? I am with you always. You know, the holidays bring about some of the loneliest moments for many people. Would you agree with that? We come to the end of the year, especially Thanksgiving, Christmas, come to the end of the year, and we begin to reflect back on our loved ones that we lost. And we weep. We weep at the empty chair that our loved one would sit sit in, and we weep, and it hurts. It's painful. It's for many people. It's one of the most painful moments of the year, and this overwhelming sense of loneliness can come on so many people. But it's in those dark moments of loneliness and in silence where we have to hang on to the promises of God. When he says, I have never left you and I will never forsake you. Listen, you are never alone. You are never alone. You are never alone, and God's word is true. And for those of us who know people who are going through loneliness, it's our responsibility to go visit them and to be personal with them, to pour into them. Why? Because that's the example that Jesus gave us when he left heaven He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and he took on the form of a servant. And he became obedient. Obedient to the point of death. Maybe as a small group you need to come together and reflect and think about those in your small group who are hurting. Reach out to them. Comfort them. Talk them and remind them that they are never ever alone and so we see zacharias he rejoices in knowing that god keeps his promise here's number four and then we're going to be done zacharias rejoices and we can rejoice because of this he celebrates the life transformation that god can bring to a dark and dying world look at verses 74 and 75 We see here some transformation that God is going to bring about as he sends his son, the Messiah. Look at verse 74. He says this, to grant us that we being rescued from the hand of our enemies. One of the transformations that God is going to bring through his son, the Messiah, is this, he brings spiritual transformation. When Jesus, the Messiah, comes, he's born of a virgin. He's going to live his life 30 plus years. He's going to end his life by being crucified on the cross. He lived a sinless life. He was crucified, then he's buried. Then on the third day, he rises again. Why? Because he wants to rescue mankind from the enemy, which is Satan, and he wants to transfer you from darkness into eternal light. That's called spiritual transformation. Listen, Jesus did not come to bring political transformation. He came to bring spiritual transformation. He desires all men to come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Jesus, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, said this, he came to seek to save that which was lost. There, God wants, wants, wants you to experience spiritual transformation. He wants you to be rescued from darkness, and he wants to move you into eternal light. That's why Jesus came. He comes to bring spiritual transformation. Look at the end of verse 74, to grant us that we being rescued from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. Not only does he bring spiritual transformation, he also brings emotional transformation, which means this, when you give your life to Christ and you sit under his righteousness, which means his righteousness becomes your righteousness, he justifies you in the sight of the Father. When he does that, it means this, you can serve him without fear. That when you become a follower of Christ Jesus and you have given him your all, you can follow him without fear. This is emotional transformation. You do not have to sit under a burden of guilt. The Bible says there is, uh, that, 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 that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you are sitting under condemnation, I promise you that is not coming from the Spirit of the Heavenly Father. That's coming from the thief, the, the, the liar, Satan. And so he comes to lift those burdens, to lift that, the, the emotions off you, to bring you emotional transformation. Look at verse 75. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. What that means is he brings behavioral transformation, which means is when you come to Jesus, you live a different life. Amen? You do things differently than the world does. You do things according to Jesus' way. You live a different life. You've died to your old self. You become a new believer because Christ now lives in you. And the transformation that Jesus can bring you ought to bring you great joy. And Zacharias sits there. He looks at this baby that he is. He's now holding in his hands John the Baptist, this great miracle. Some dads in the birthing room cut the umbilical cords. Some dads pass out. (laughs) Zacharias praises God. He celebrates. He rejoices. He's filled with the Spirit, overflows with singing. He's... He's overflowing with thankfulness just because he's in the middle of a miracle. He praises God, and he he thanks God for keeping his promises, and then then he looks to the future, what the Messiah is going to do, then he's going to bring transformation, and he rejoices. Oh, Christmas, the birth of Jesus brings good news. Amen? It brings good news. One of my favorite Christmas stories is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And who's the star of that novel? None other than Scrooge. You can sum up his life philosophy by his phrase, Bah. But here's the great thing of that story. At the end of the book, Scrooge is transformed. He's transformed because he had three Christmas spirits. Come and share with him the meaning of Christmas. And here's what I love about that story. At the end of that book, Scrooge is so transformed that you know what he does? He goes to church and he sings out loud. Hmm. Zacharias, when he comes face to face with the reality of what God is doing in his life, he sings out loud the song that i often think of with Zachariah is god rest ye merry gentlemen god rest ye merry gentlemen let nothing you dismay remember christ your savior was born on christmas day to save poor soul from satan's power when they had gone astray oh tidings of comfort and joy comfort and joy oh tidings of comfort and joy. This Christmas, why don't you rest in God's coming to earth? Rest. Be transformed and sing with joy. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, God. May we be filled with the Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, And that we would overflow with songs of joy. Father, may we be a people, may we be a church that that others would say to us, man, why are you singing so much? And we can say it's because of Jesus. Father, there's somebody here this morning who has not been transformed by the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. I pray today that they would bow their knee to you. They would repent of their sins, turn of their wicked ways, and follow you, and acknowledge you as the Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, all you have to do is, is tell Jesus, I need you. I want you. I want to follow you. Save me and set me free. You do that. I promise you he's going to come, and he's going to lead you to transformation. And there may be some of us here this morning, maybe we're not filled with joy, maybe we haven't experienced the filling of the Spirit, and maybe we need somebody to come visit us. May this community be sensitive to the needs of others and go visit those in need. And may we bring the spirit of cheer and joy all in the name of Jesus. Father, we love you. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who has visited us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.